Good morning and welcome to the CEO podcast. We've got a very interesting episode today. We have got the CEO and founder, Brandon Gatewood of, of Project 7 Security that does the security for people such as Ariana Grande, Chris Brown and Justin Bieber. Thank you so much, Brandon, for taking the time to join us. How are you doing this morning? Doing pretty well. How about yourself? I'm very good. I'm very, very impressed off the bat there. Can you kind of just give us an overview of what your company does and then how you've managed to attract such superstar clients? Awesome. Yeah, um, Project 7 pretty much uh, caters to different um, security aspects. We provide security services for uh, high net uh, worth individuals, uh, particularly all over the world. Um, we do celebrities, of course. Um, we do tours. We do state security. And we also cater to the federal government providing security services. Fantastic. That sounds all very, uh, very high level and very kind of on guard all the time. But how did you get into the whole security business? Wow, it all started when I was in high school, actually. I was working at a retail store called Mervyn's. Um, I was folding clothes and basically, showing up the story, uh, I was doing recovery, the store was just getting ready to close and a Hispanic male walked in with carrying like 500, 501 jeans and, um, came to the Levi's area and I asked him, hey, you want me to put those away? He's like, no, I got it. I'm like, okay. For some reason, I got the the hinge that he worked there. And then he started putting them away. And I was like, do you work here? He was in plain clothes, didn't know anything. He's like, yeah, loss prevention. I'm like, what the hell is loss prevention? He was like, oh, well, I, I arrest shoplifters. And I got intrigued right there. I'm like, wow, your security. And he's like, yeah, I watched, I watched the cameras and I apprehend shoplifters. And I was like, wow. And I looked down, how do you get into that? He just looked at me and was like, we have an opening. And I, for that moment, I just kept bugging the store manager and him. And then sure enough, I got hired on and, and I became loss prevention. And that kind of spiraled into another, uh, another thing. We all know Mervyn's went bankrupt back in 2008 and 2009 area. Um, that's when the, the whole recession was going on. So I jumped from Mervyn's to JCPenney's and JCPenney's to Kohl's and Kohl's to Burns to Coat Factory. Um, four years later, moving out to uh, Canoga Park and being a loss prevention supervisor out in uh, Thousand Oaks. Uh, while I was there, I actually ran into an, another individual that has been um, in the security industry for a while. And he was like, dude, why don't you become a bodyguard? I'm like, how do you do that? And he was like, I know a guy. I'm like, okay. He's like, you know what? Let me call him. So he goes in his wallet. He pulls out this phone card, his business card, I'm sorry. And he was like, let me give this guy a call. I'm like, okay. So he gives him a call. He's like, hey, blah, blah, blah. This is, this is Brandon. Um, his friend, uh, excuse me. He was like, hey, I have a friend named Brandon. He's really eager to get into security. Can I introduce you to him? Blah, blah, blah. Turns out he, this guy had this business card in his wallet for 15 years and ends up calling the head security for Dr. Dre. And I had no idea until he told me after the phone call ended. And he was like, yeah, I gave his number. And then after that, I started working for uh, Klaus, Klaus Price. And I started working with his client, Dr. Dre. And then um, I started networking and started getting involved. I worked with another company called Black Boss, started working with Britney Spears and her tours. And they kept giving me different work. And 
I just saw how it was. And then after that, I was like, all right, let me go work for the government. So I went to go work for the government as Department of Defense. And then I saw how they were getting contracts as well. And it just, a light bulb went in my head. I was like, dude, I'm going to start my own company and do the exact same thing. And it's been a ride. And I started that in 2014. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. You don't often get stories as interesting as that one but uh, let's break it down there's a lot of things that went on there so yeah. very early on um, and I'm just re- gonna I'm just gonna rephrase this in a, in a very short and concise way so yeah. tell me if, if anything is off point here but very early on you had an interest in you know a security from, from a shop perspective stop stopping thieves that then kind of escalated and you found there was actually a career path there you had a network of people, you asked around, and at that point, it sounds like it was just a lot of luck there, that the guy had a card of a guy, and it was the right time, and the forces were all aligning, so that seemed really, really awesome, and, and a stroke of good fortune, but you know, you make your own luck in this world, so then you followed up, kept following up with this guy, because apparently, it, it wasn't just the first time you called him, it was ready, there's a lot of building relationships, building rapport, trying to catch him at the right time before you could actually meet him and then sit down in front of him and he could then see that you weren't just someone wasting his time and that you were serious and you wanted to actually do something. Then you get your on-job training with a big firm, with big names, biggest in the business. You know, Britney Spears and Dr. Dre don't really get much bigger than that back when you were starting out. And then you realize oh, I can do this myself, there's nothing much to this, or there's nothing that you don't understand at that point, you already have that entrepreneurial drive. But at that point where arguably you're hanging around with all these A-list celebrities, flying around the world, living a good lifestyle, what made you then say, I want to do this myself? Um, just... Well, when you get into security, everyone thinks the market is going to be stable. Um, when you work with other companies, you can lose a contract, you get a contract. You, you're walking on eggshells most of the time when you're in, in the Los Angeles area. Um, most of the contracts are not guaranteed. Um, you could be there for a year and then basically the client could say, hey, no, I don't want you. So I got kind of, I was all over the place working with different companies and stuff like that. I was like, There's you know, no stability. I, no, there wasn't. Everyone knows out here in Los Angeles, unless you're working for a bigger firm such as Gavin and Becker or something like that, there's not really much stability there. So um, where I saw the stability was with the federal market. And I said, you know what, I'll do both. I'll, 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 I'll tater to both clientele so that, um, so that I could keep, keep people, you know, retained and, you know, and plus, but you get the buff of both worlds. Not a lot of people, a lot of guys do come from the military background and do security, and then they go into this, and they're, sometimes they're not a good fit for this because they're used to combat operations versus sitting in a state building watching cameras at someone's house or, you know, the whole one-on-one protection. But a lot of this, the clientele out here are not really using the, the, the whole bodyguard stuff, uh, tactics. Like, for example... Um, it's, it's now moving into like an, an armed Uber driver pretty much is what I, I look at it. You know, <laughs> it's not like you get the full body coverage, just like an, an agent in charge and, a, and then you have a, a lead and, 
um, and a driver. You don't have a full team like it's it should be ran. So um, that's one reason. And then also the, the pricing has dropped significantly in the security market out here as far as daily rates and per diems and being brought on board as far as providing security services. So why not tackle that area and have some revenue and even also still bid on federal contracts? Now that makes a lot of sense and, and that's a pretty smart way to do it whereas you can kind of flatten that curve that, that gets the instability and therefore you can control your company as well as you look to hire more people and kind of retain more staff. Um, Switching into that for a second, because that's a completely different avenue that you didn't really have too much experience in on the government side. How did you go about, one, thinking of the idea of going into the government and getting government contracts, and then two, actually actioning it? I think a lot of people um, like the idea or kind of flirt with the idea that, oh, the government has so much business to give to small businesses specifically, but then get so lost in kind of all of the detail that is involved in getting accredited and getting able to even uh, qualify for those jobs. Um, so what was your question again? I'm sorry. How did you first come about wanting to do the federal stuff and then actually going ahead and winning your first contract? All right. So um, it took years to kind of build a profile and to get on to understand the government, it's not as easy as everyone thinking. If it was easy, everybody would be selling to the government. It's not easy. There's a lengthy process that you have to go through. You had to be vetted. You had to have a SAMS. You, there's just there's just a lot of details that you have to go through just to um, just to be able to um, to do business with the government. Um, like we all seen that movie, that movie War Dogs, right? When the two guys were selling arms to the government. <laughs> if it was that easy, best believe I'll be out there selling guns to the federal government. But there's a scrutiny of like background checks. There's there's vetting from like your taxes. They want to know who you are. They want to make sure you're not affiliated with any terrorists or any other communist parties or stuff like that so it takes a while to do business with the federal government um there's a lot of things that you have to have set up as, as far as uh profiles and stuff like that but um it takes some years and um once you once you get that going um you can start finding an next basically you have to find out what you want to do so there's lots of people that sells you know cars armored cars they sell you know they they do hr for the government they do all kinds of stuff there's 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 tons of things that you could do you just got to find the next and when you find that next there's going to be a next code that's going to give to you it's called the national um don't quote me i always get this wrong even though i know what it is <laughs> um, and it's called the next coast national classification industrial specialty or something like that so for security minus 56, 16, 12, when you start looking that up in government platforms that you should be able to Bit look at different contracts that pop up and generate in that next list. So that's security. So now I know that, you know? Yeah. But um, We all know over the, the last, since Blackwater has been around and that, that kind of set the bar uh, as far as working with the federal government. We all know how much these contracts are. There's contracts out there for $300 million. Yeah, so much money out there that nobody knows it, but it's so com competitive to pursue them. So you got to know what you're doing. 
Um, so to answer your question, it took me about three or four years to get my company set up to even do business with the government. And then when I did get it set up, I was able to, uh, um, to be a subcontractor to a prime and get some past performance. Uh, I believe the first contract I won was with the, the Bureau of Indian Affairs out of North Dakota. We all know that was going on in North Dakota a couple of years ago with the oil pipeline and all that kind of stuff, right? So I was actually uh, bidding on a contract, but the set-aside was an Indian set-aside, 100% Indian set-aside. So I partnered with the AMG out of uh, um, Costa Mesa. Um, Greg Light um, was selecting me as a... a um, subcontractor after a few other uh, contractors bidded on the work and he selected my company and basically I was able to provide um, unarmed security services on the Bureau of Indian Affairs which is a which we all know when you're working with the BIA it's all on Indian reservations and I was able to protect uh, the BIA building for a year and have um, personnel there and what they do there is basically they just process more uh, oil royalties because, you know, most of the, the people that live on reservations are Indians and Indians get a stipend from the U.S. government. So that basically they technically don't have to work, but we were in charge to protect that building and that building was our priority. So That's awesome. Man. I think it's a, it's a good message that people think instant gratification on everything these days when you're ordering your food or your Amazon packages arriving in a few hours. And this shows that, you know, it took three years for you to go from idea of, hey, I really want to be able to bid government contracts to then filling out the paperwork, getting qualified, getting the experience and then being able to successfully win a contract. Um, that shows a lot of focus and dedication which is kind of the underlying tone of where I was trying to get to is that it doesn't happen overnight. And can you talk a little bit about the struggles um, as well, rather than just, hey, I won this bid, I, was, I got the contract and life was good. But I'm sure there was a lot of struggles along that way too. Yeah, so um, basically um, the struggles are as being a small business owner, it's you got to have some type of line of credit. You got to have some type of funding because – there's a lot of stuff that they would get you on. The struggle is doing your research. There's a lot of things that profiles that you have to get, you know, established. And if you don't have established, basically people will take advantage of you. Um, for example, uh, system of work management, you have to have a profile set up there to even do business with the government, right? And if you, if you don't know how to do that and know the questions and answers of your own company, people will really take advantage of you and try to charge you seven that, you know, I heard numbers from ten to or seven or a thousand to seven thousand dollars to set up that profile. You know how long it, it took me to set that profile? When it took me, and I did by myself without paying. It took me about four hours. You could do it. You could do it. You just gotta be. You just gotta do the research and you know try to figure it out. Another thing is one of the struggles is not only setting up your profile for the system of work management. It's basically getting the contracts. Everybody thinks, oh, okay, I'm, I'm registered to do business with the government. There's been companies that have been registered for 20 years and probably haven't even brought a single dollar in. The thing is that it's so competitive out there, and I get it. It might be a lot easier to get the, uh, the artists and con those type of contracts, but when you get to the federal market, it's a, it's a big market, man. There's a lot of fish in there, and you got to learn how to fish the correct way. It's not your traditional fishing. So you got to, like, be uh, prepared to go up against large companies on competitive contracts if they're not a set aside. And if they're a set aside, you just gotta be 
very, very careful on how you partner in joint ventures with other companies. Um, so one of the, the, the hardest, I mean, challenging, I don't want to say hardest, one of the challenging thing is getting your contracts. Um, because for example, for, for security, if you're going to bid on the contract first, you got to pay someone to write the proposal. It's not your traditional proposal that you're writing for like some celebrity or something. It's, this goes, this goes all the way in from like the L and M sections all over the world. Like there, there's certain requirements that the contracting officer and the client that he represents wants you to fulfill. And you have to articulate that in a percent, like in a structure proposal um, that the, the government agency feels comfortable with awarding your contract. And then not even in that, you just can't put a number in your proposal saying, I'm going to do it for this month. Yeah, you got to break it down, explain base year, and uh, they want discounts for each year or so. Like you have to have an Excel sheet or you got to add in taxes, licensing. You got to, if you're doing arm, you got to do uniform. How many personnel you got to like buy everyone's uniform, patches, belts, handcuffs, guns, pants. There's a lot of stuff. You got to have an office. You got to have licensing if you're going to do that. So it, it, it totals up. For example, when we were thinking about doing the, uh, the contract out in North Dakota, um, just in uniforms, it's going to be about 50 grand. So, and that's 20 people and you need to have three uniforms and take into consideration that like, we still got to add two more jackets because they get snow there. It's not California. So you got to have hats, you got to have vehicles. So one thing is funny and the resources. Uh, another thing is having a good team that could write a proposal for you because there's a lots of people out there who write proposals. Don't 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 get discouraged. But there's also a lot of people out there that say they can write a, a proposal and take your money. The thing is, the challenge with me was okay, you could write this proposal, but what's your what's your track record? What's your your success rate? They couldn't give that to me, and then, but they could tell me how much it was going to cost for a proposal. And typically, a lot of these agencies, you know, they know how big these contracts are, so they have a premium charge to write these proposals. So anywhere from fifteen, I mean, the contracts I was going after. They're probably charging me anywhere the lowest end eight to fifteen thousand dollars just to write a proposal. So another thing is it's funding, lines of credit, funding. And yeah, you gotta kind of just being understanding your business and your numbers and you can't really and that's the same across any business, regardless of if it's security, if it's government contracts or if it's manufacturing, is that you need to have a really good control of your numbers of your cash flow so that you don't overexert yourself in the wrong ways or get caught out because that is the number one killer of businesses is the lack of cash flow. Absolutely. But a lot of people don't understand that the inter the international like private military industry, which is security pretty much is called PMCs has been exploding over the last 20 years. And like the prior um, military companies such as, like I mentioned before, it's a private military company. is companies that have taken over the roles, basically, of what the military has done. Um, and by doing by do that, like, th there's, they, they, they have cornered this industry and in that they have taken the roles on everything that's back in from logistics um, to the tactical battlefield and pretty much how the new American way of war is pretty much faced. Like if you look at Iraq and Afghanistan, um, in fact, that their forces of most of the people over there are private military. In fact, the business is like so freaking good is that basically it has reached 200 
200, I think in the last numbers I read, it was like $280 billion industry. And that was in 2014, I think it says. So in 2018, it's supposed to be 500 billion industry. So if you look at it in perspective, there's so much stuff that could be going around and there's so much work out there. It's just basically you need, you need, to, you need to do the research and figure it out. So when we boil this back down to kind of the masses of the people that are listening, I think we're talking about systems and processes. And if, yeah. you, if you have solid systems and processes within your business, whichever industry that is in, whether it's bidding or whether it's actually doing the work or having the team, um, it boils down to those two core things. If you've got good systems in place and good processes for your team to follow, you can then take that to the next level pretty easily. Absolutely. Um, you just got to do the research and make sure you have a good system. Um, most of the time when I first started, I was doing running all the systems by myself. I learned each platform and it's good for a CEO or for someone that's going to start to learn and know the system better than anyone else so that when you do bring someone on board, you, you know your numbers. So CEO and, and an owner should always know their numbers and how to articulate. Because again, if you win a contract and you have to sit down with the CEO, uh, the, the KO, the contracting officer, and you have a procurement area uh, interview or something, they want to you're going to have to answer these numbers and you just don't want to send anybody. It just makes more sense if you actually know the system. So it's, it's good for that. Awesome. Okay. So as we look to wrap up, I always end with this one question uh, and it is if you had to split your success between three factors and the factors are how lucky, how skillful and how much drive, how would you do that? If I had to split them in three factors, um, I don't. I don't want to say luck. I think it's more of the universe placement. <laughs> I always like to look at it that way. Um, sometimes we don't pick our path. We end up, you know, going down the rabbit hole and finding a path. So I, I want to say, um, I don't want to say it was luck. It was just. It, maybe that was my destiny. It's falling, falling down this road. Um, and as far as what was your the, the other? Question? The other two, it was skill and drive. Skin, skill. How skill? Oh, skill. Um, we all pick up skills. We all sk learn skills. We weren't given skills when we were born. So you, you you pretty much pick up your skills. So I would say my skills um, from being out there, it's, they, they, they're they've been improving. There's always much more to improve. Um, skills are not just something you're born with, something you inhabit over time. And I think from over time of being in this industry, I would say like, I've, I'm very skillful, but I don't want to say I'm a hundred percent skillful because there's a lot of things out there I don't know still. So, um, you always got to have an open mind of like obtaining different skills because there's some area you may be weak and some areas you may be strong. There's always one versus the other. So, um, um, I would say, um, man, that's a, yeah, that's a hard one to determine. Yeah, um, and it's really interesting when, when I hear all the successful entrepreneurs that I talk to on a weekly basis, they all have different kind of apportionments between drive, skill, and luck. So it really uh, is fascinating to get into the mind and see how people think. So I'm, I'm assuming your biggest one is then the last one, which is the drive and the determination. Yeah, I would say that one because there's been a lot of discouragement over the past couple of years of getting into the business and doing the business. Uh, it's not easy. It's frustrating sometimes, 
but if you have the right drive, you could you could you could pre- persevere through it and accomplish it. So you're right. I would say the the drive because if you don't have the drive, then what are you doing it for? Absolutely. Like so momentum, you're not gonna go nowhere. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. What's the best way for people to reach out to you or to to look up your business? Yeah, um, you could go to www.project7securitygroup.com or you can email me at brandon at project7securitygroup.com. Um, we have a phone number, um, 866-560-3103. Um, and, you know, visit the website. Um, we have a, a Instagram. We have a bunch of social media. We'll put all, we'll put all the links down here so people can just <laughs> straight into you rather than having to type all that stuff out. So thank you so much for your time. You've been fantastic. And hopefully we've shared a lot of uh, golden nuggets. Sounds awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care.